Welcome to Crossroad Church's Sermon of the Week podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Bob Ellis. Over the last few weeks, I have been doing a series of sermons called Here Comes the Dreamer. And, and I remember my time when I was living in, in Mexico. I was serving with a children's mission for, for 14 months in Fresnillo, Zacatecas. And I remember occasionally... Uh, we were we were not so welcome with certain groups. There were some people who loved us, and and that was great. But there was always a few people who were antagonistic, just as they are in any country and any place towards the gospel. And and we got this label. The label was "Aquí vienen los Hallelujahs," and uh, and I started to embrace that. And here comes the Hallelujahs, and I thought that's you know that's you know I've been given a lot of different nicknames in my life. Some of them I could probably tell you here. Some of them I probably shouldn't repeat the nicknames I've been given. But that's as far as nicknames go, that's not a bad one, right? Um, I like the song that we, that we sing, uh, Raise a Hallelujah. Uh, I mean, that's what it's all about. Shouting and praising and thanking the Lord for what he has done. And, and so the nickname that, that Joseph received in, in Genesis chapter 37, when, when he received these dreams that God was going to raise him, in position and power, uh, and, and some of these dreams revealed that he would be over his brothers, and another dream he would be over even his father. And, and God was doing something, something and stirring something up in Joseph's life, but his brothers on occasion would say, here comes the dreamer, and their resentment built to the point where, if you remember the story, he was sold into slavery, but prior to that they wanted to kill him, but they came to their senses and said, no, we can't do this. To our flesh and blood. So they sold him to Ishmaelite traders. And, and he ended up in the house of the, the chief of the palace guard. Referred to uh, as Potiphar. In Genesis chapter 39. And so I want to pick up this story. This is our third week in, uh, in this series. And so it's, I want you to look in Genesis chapter 39 verse 36. Um, last week we dealt with the idea that, that God was with Joseph. Even in his slavery, even in his in his change from from his prom, from the promised land uh, into slavery into the land of Egypt, and so in verse uh, six of Genesis chapter thirty nine, the word of the Lord says Joseph was a very handsome and well built young man, and, and, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded, but Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Verse 10 says she, she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her. And he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. And she came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. And Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hands as he ran from the house. And when she saw that, that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he, heard me, when he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. And then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave that you brought into our house 
tried to come in and fool around with me. I, I like how the New Living Translation translates that. It gives a little, little modern twist there uh, as they continue to, uh, uh, to retell this story. Verse 18 says, but when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Potiphar, the husband, was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. Look at verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. Here was the dreamer. Here was the one who God was stirring up something in his life. And, and by the way, I, I don't know if, if your person's had some, some dreams. And, 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 and I know we have lots of dreams and we dream every night. And, 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 and a lot of times, 90% of those dreams we forget within the first 10 minutes, the uh, statistics say. And can you imagine after that how it precipitously drops off? Um, they say you remember more dreams on weekends and days you sleep in. Um, so, but a lot of times we have these dreams and we don't know really how they began, but we have these images. And, and most of the time, most dreams are pictures of, or the faces we see are people we've interacted with or we've seen on TV. And so your brain is, is doing that. A lot of times we have some crazy dreams when you, at least I have crazy dreams when I eat Italian late at night. And so I don't put a lot of stock into those kind of dreams. Uh, but I do believe God speaks through dreams uh, on occasion. And, and God was doing something in Joseph's life. And, and, but he doesn't always have to use dreams or visions. Uh, sometimes it's just good old-fashioned being in the Word. And he speaks to us. And he puts this purpose and this desire in our hearts. And then the enemy comes along and tries to destroy our dreams. I believe every Christian should have a dream in the sense of that God has called them to something amazing. Whether it is dealing with the circumstances of this world and the hope to come, there is something that we have that has been placed in our hearts the moment Jesus comes in. And we have this desire, this newfound desire, and this new hope. But there is an enemy of the dreams of God. There is someone who wants to pour water on our, on our dreams, and we know who he is. But for today's sake, I want to I want you to just kind of look at the, the the practical enemy of dreams and look at look at verse eight, verse eight. When when she was tempting Joseph, the last we knew of Joseph, he was 17 years old. He was sold into slavery and, and now he finds himself being being promoted among the ranks there in this uh, of those who were taking care of Potiphar's house. He was still a slave, but he was rising in the ranks as much as he could. And here it says that he was good looking and, and the wife took notice of him and she was putting pressure on him. And, and here was his response to her when she was tempting him. He says this, how could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Here is Joseph miles and hundreds of miles from his home. He's, he's been forgotten by his family. His dad thinks he's dead. His brothers sold him into slavery. They, they, they don't care about him. He's, in all, for all intents and purposes, he could even go through that thought of, well, maybe God's even forgot about me. But here he is in this strange land, and, and he's probably had to learn a new language. And, and he says to her, how could I, how could I do this to God? How could I forget what I know about what God has called me and how he's called me to live? His moral compass hadn't shifted, though he had shifted locations. And so the enemy of dreams, if we're not careful, is simply forgetting. 
Forgetting God and forgetting His commandments that were that were poured out into us when we were when we were younger. Maybe you came to the Lord later in life. But those those teachings that, that He's put in us, just because we get far away, do we forget? And, and, and so a lot of times we forget. He says, How can I do this? How could I forget about how I'm supposed to live? Now the other day Arlene celebrated her birthday and I and I'm, I guess I'm not allowed to say that because I guess after 40, you're not supposed to tell how, how old somebody is. Oh, you're old. I guess I did that. Anyway, um, and so she had her birthday and, and I prepared this. I mean, I didn't do, actually do the work. I kind of organized. Um, I, I talked to my mother-in-law. So we had a special surprise for her last Sunday. And, and so we, we were organizing this, though her birthday was on Monday. And, and, and Arlene is one of these people that she guesses everything. Because she asks a lot of questions and she figures things out because you end, end up accidentally saying something that leads her to something else. And logical thinking uh, always gets in the way of me surprising her. So anyway, we were two different cars. We're leaving here and I called her. And, and by the way, I didn't have to confess after church that I did a little bit mislead her. But it was uh, OK. Well, anyway, we're not going to go there anyway. So I told her we were going to our, our mother's house to move some furniture. Um, I, I don't know if forks are considered furniture, but anyway, um, anyway, we, we convinced her that we needed to go there. And she said, well, I'm going to sit in the car. She was tired after Sundays. We get tired. And so she was just going to wait there. And me and Kevin were going to go in and move the furniture. At the end of all this, I got everybody in the house but her. And she still hadn't figured it out, which was pretty amazing. And, uh, and then when she walks in the door, she has this face that, well, if you want to see it, I will show it to you later. Uh, it wasn't the happiest face in the world uh, for a surprise, um, but later she, she, she got into the, into the moment, right? So I remembered her birthday. I remembered that, you know, that's, that's not a small task when you, when you get up in age like I am. You start to forget things, but, but I remembered ahead of time. I planned, I prepared. I even went and got a gift, and it wasn't last minute. Now, I don't know how many of you have done birthday gifts at the last day. I thought ahead. You know, my, my, my Apple phone reminded me three weeks out of her birthday, two weeks. No, I didn't, I didn't do that. I, I actually remembered on my own that it was her birthday. I got the gift. But here's what I did. I went into, uh, there's a, a jewelry store uh, called James Avery. So I go into James Avery, and, and, and they say, how can I help you? And I said, well, I'm looking for a specific uh, kind of signature item that you have here that my wife loves. And so I went from case to case to case, and, and they're like, this guy is lost. And, and I'm walking around looking at everything, and, and it wasn't there. And they tried to show me different things, of course, and sell me different things. And, and, and I ended up just saying, okay, give me a gift card. And they, you know, and, but I at least thought about it ahead of time. It wasn't last minute, and, and, and I, I felt pretty good about that. Well, we go, we have a surprise party. Everything is good, and, and we, get, we get home, and, and I said, I said, honey, I could not find that specific type of signature earring that you like. And she said, yeah, it's because it's at Kendra Scott, not at uh, James Avery. She didn't embarrass me in front of the family, which I appreciate. Now I'm just embarrassed uh, over uh, the Internet in front of everybody. But, uh, you know, they sound, the name sounded the same. Um, but I had forgotten what she liked. 19 years. And I forgot. Yeah. We forget God just as easily. God tells us how to live and we forget. See, the enemy of the dreams of God is simply just forgetting. Just forgetting what he has in store for us. 400 and some years after Joseph rises to power and dies, and the people of Egypt have forgotten Joseph. 
The, the Hebrew slaves uh, weren't slaves originally. They were just Joseph's family that multiplied and grew to the point where the Egyptians made them or enslaved them to carry out their building projects. So 400 and some years later, God raises up a, a, a rescuer, a redeemer figure in the, in the man by the name of Moses. And God uses miraculous plagues and signs and parting of the sea. And he leads them out of Egypt into the promised land. And in the, in the, in the course of this travel and this journey out, God speaks to the people and he says this to them in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. He says, but watch out. Be careful never to forget what yourself, what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live. And be sure to pass them on to your children and your grandchildren. See, see God knows our tendency. He knows that after time, we, we forget. We start to, to not be careful with these, with these things that have been entrusted with us. These teachings, these these directives, don't forget what you've seen. If you were a believer in Christ, I pray that you've seen God work in your life. I pray that you've seen not only the transformation of your life, but maybe the life of your spouse or, or a relative. I pray that, that you pass down these teachings to your children. And if your grandparents, hopefully you're, you're ensuring that they also hear these stories. Just, you know, I, I think a lot of times when people become grandparents, and I'm not there yet, so I don't know that, but... But it's like, okay, we want the kids to, to play with them, have fun with them. But, but the big responsibility, we're going to leave it on the parents. And that's true. That is the parent's responsibility. But biblically, if you're a Christian grandparent, you still have a responsibility to tell them what you've seen. What, how you saw God work in your life. Pass that down to them. Don't let them forget. And, and what's going to happen is when you share those memories with them, they don't so easily escape your mind. Um, what memories do you have of the Lord and what he's done in your life? God continues to speak as they were journeying. He said, the Lord your God will soon bring you into the land. He swore to give when he, when he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And, and remember, Jacob's son was Joseph. It is, it is a land with large, prosperous cities that you do not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods you do not produce. You will draw water from cisterns you do not dig. And you will eat from vineyards and olive trees you do not plant. When you have eaten your fill in this land, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. You see, we forget when we get satisfied. We forget when we've, we've had our fill of everything else. We tend to, to let that crowd out uh, the memories that we have of what God has done, his faithfulness. So God, over and over again, he, he says to his people, don't forget, the enemy of the dreams of God is, is, is as simple as, I think we want to blame Satan for everything. And that's just good. We, 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 we like to just have a, if you have a, an enemy, you can just say, okay, that's who it is. The enemy for many of us, uh, and I don't think he deserves as much credit as he gets. Sometimes the enemy is you and I. It's, it's what happens when we forget. When we forget what God has done in our lives. And we forget that, that, that he's told us a certain way to live. Joseph said, how can I do that? How can I forget? How can I, how can I sin against God? How can I commit that kind of an evil? Even though I'm here in this land, how can I do that? Paul writes, the Apostle Paul writes in the New Testament, something very, very curious that I stumbled on this week. Uh, listen to what he says. He says, 
For I pass on to you what I have received from the Lord himself. Interesting. That part is interesting to me because I don't know if I've ever quite noticed that line. He says, for I pass on to you what I've received from the Lord himself. He wasn't a disciple. Paul wasn't one of the disciples. So, so how did he receive this? Okay, did he receive this from other disciples sharing it with him and then he passes it on? Did he receive it when he received a vision from God, which, which Paul talks about in other places? Anyway, he says one night when he was, on the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. This is the passage on, on kind of how to remember taking communion and, and the Lord's Supper. He says, then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Every Sunday pre-COVID, uh, we would offer communion here at this church. Uh, we would offer it around 1030. It would be early so people could come take communion. And, and if they want to spend some time around the altar, they could pray. Um, Paul writes to the church and he tell, kind of giving them instructions for how they are supposed to celebrate Holy Communion. But in this, he says and reminds them of something pretty interesting. He says, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And there's something amazing that takes place uh, when we do things that help us to not forget. Uh, sometimes they're as simple as writing things down. Now, I had a friend on the mission with me and, and she would oftentimes just write her little notes on her, on her hand, the palm of her hand. Now, that might have worked good for her, but when I would do pickup games of, of basketball with the kids, you know, whatever that note was could be blurred and it could look like lunch to me. I don't know. You know, I would just read it and like, okay, that wasn't a good idea. That didn't fit my personality. But for her, she would write notes down on her, on her hand. And I'm like, it seems like a tedious process every night having to wash all that off. But it worked. It worked for her. We've got to do whatever it takes to not forget what God has done. And if that means writing it down, if that means you get a journal, if that means you need to, to just share with your grandkids on a, on a weekly basis what God has done for you, so be it. But there's some things we have to do. And, and Paul writes to the church, he says, as often as you do this, remember what Christ has done for you. Every time you break the bread or drink from the cup of wine, you're remembering what Jesus did for you on the cross by the shedding of his blood. And so there's something powerful about reinforcing memories with some actions. Anyway, there are other references of that, but I like what Isaiah says. He says, you have forgotten God, your savior. You have not remembered the rock, your fortress. He was reminding the people of Israel that they had forgotten. It really comes down to that. It's a simple reminder to not forget him. Because he has been a fortress to us. He's been a rock of our salvation. The enemy of our dreams, the desires that God has put in our heart, is forgetting. Why do people leave the faith? Why do people leave the faith in the first place? Because they forget what happened when they first came to know Jesus. They forget their first love. And he addresses this later in the book of Revelation. Well, if, if the enemy of dreams is forgetting, the chief weapon or the strategy that forgetfulness uses is temptation. We see in this passage that Joseph is being tempted. He's being tempted when he is the most isolated from those people who can support him in his faith. 
What happens is when you are removed from a faith group of people, um, there are tendencies that take place. You become this isolated person that now the enemy sees as a straggler. Uh, if you've ever watched a documentary on National Geographic, you see uh, either a young or a weaker animal in a pack or a herd, and, and they are often targeted. And the same thing happens when we forget God and we, we start to separate from Him. We become targets of temptation. Paul wrote to, to the church in Corinth, he says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. What happened to Joseph was common to, to all mankind, to humanity. But, but he goes on to say, God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide you or provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Joseph easily could have said, God's forgotten me. I'm going to forget God. But he had told Potiphar's wife early on in verses 8 and 9, he says, how can I do that? How can I forget? He wasn't going to give in to the temptation. And the temptation was simple. I think the temptation was simple. Not the temptation of, 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 the, uh, of the pressure that the lady was putting on him. The, the temptation, I think, is even deeper than that. And it's the idea that I'm alone. Where's God? God's forgotten me. Why don't I just go ahead and do this? See, I think that's where, where forgetfulness and temptation come together. When people start to say, I don't think God's answering my prayers. Maybe he's not real. Maybe he's not ever going to answer. I might as well just give in to the, this temptation. But Paul encourages the church and he says, your temptation, whatever you're going through, it's just like everyone else's. It's common to humanity. And James gives some further advice on this. He says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submission. We're going to either submit to this, this idea that, that God's not with us, he's not for us, and we're going to give in to the, to the devil, or we're going to resist. Now, I do believe that, that Satan is smarter. He's figured out every strategy. He's manipulated man for thousands and thousands of years. And so if you think you can outsmart him, uh, you'll lose, and I'll lose. If you think you can, uh, you can play around with temptation, if I think I can play around with temptation, we will end up losing. I, I love what Joseph did. He tried to stay away from her. He knew what she was like. He knew what she was after. He still had to do his jobs. So he said he tried to stay away from her as, as much as he could. He did the best he could to resist. And then the scripture says, eventually she cornered him. And he pulled out of his cloak and he our job is to submit to God and not forget the way he's called us to live. He's called us to live in holiness. He's called us to walk after his ways, to not commit evil in his sight. He's called us to be that kind of a people, to submit to him and to resist the devil. The scripture says to the writer of Hebrews, he says, for because he himself, Jesus, has suffered when tempted, he was able to help those who are being tempted. The scripture goes on to say he, 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 he was tempted in all ways but did not sin. And that's, the, that's really the key ingredient here. We have an advocate. We have someone who can help us. And, and you might think, well, how does that have to do with dreams? Let me tell you what happens. When we start to forget God, it's like a domino. The temptations come and then we fail and then we think in ourselves and in our minds, how could God ever use me? How could God ever turn those dreams he once gave me into something bigger? 
There was a story in the, and there's a, there's a very common story in the Old Testament where the greatest king of all of Israel, David, fell into temptation and he gave in. The Bible says David was a man after God's own heart, but he sinned. He, he sinned by taking another man's wife, having that man killed. Uh, he conveniently set it up in battle where he would die. His name was Uriah. He was a Hittite. And he ended up killing Uriah, marrying Bathsheba. And God went on to punish David. And other people were punished because of David. When we have these dreams that God's put in our heart, we need to remember who he has called us to be. David got satisfied. And Joseph didn't. There's always two stories. There's always examples of those who fail and those who succeed. But God has called us as a church to not forget. We are the dreamers for this world. When the world looks at us, if they call you hallelujahs or they call you dreamers, that's okay. But maintain your hope. Maintain your dream. Continue to trust in him. Because the Bible says he was tempted in all ways and he did not sin. He can give you a way out. And if I can just reiterate the, the first point. Don't forget everything God has done in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we forget. We forget simple details in life. We forget uh, important dates. We, we, we forget things. We, we make lists for the grocery store and we forget them. We are a people that, that are prone to forgetting. And, and sometimes the most important thing, we also forget, and that's you. God, we ask you right now that you would, you would protect our minds and our hearts and our thoughts. God, that you wouldn't let the enemy slip in in any way through temptation. But that our hope and our stay would be in you, Jesus. God, would you protect our minds today so that we would never forget you. We would never forget the day that we, we knelt down. Or we were maybe driving in our car. Or we were with a friend and we just bow our heads and say, Jesus, come into my life. Lead me in the path everlasting. God, help us not to forget to call evil what it really is and to flee from it. Help us to never forget the way you call us to live. Protect those dreams, Lord, that you put in our heart. Would you continue to pour out your dreams and visions and desires to serve you in this time that we live in right now? We pray in Jesus' name. For more information about this podcast and other ministries, visit crossroadstx.church.